Would you pray with me for a moment, please? Loving God, speak to us once again, your word of grace, your word of love, may it bear fruit in our hearts, that we may be doers and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone, once again. Um, today we continue with our sermon series on our United Methodist vow. What are some of the things that we do? Uh, how are some of the ways in which contribute as United Methodists to our church? And we've gone through every single one of these things. We contribute through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. All right? Uh, each one of these things make a difference in the life of the church, and we have to figure out what is it that we can contribute to our congregation through these things. Now, today we're going to be talking specifically about witnessing. What does it mean for us as Christians? What does it look like in, in ministry, in our context today? But I wanted to begin by uh, just sharing some of the things that we talked about in an event that I just went to recently. I had an opportunity to go to Phoenix um, for an event called Entre Nos, Between Us, for the Hispanic leaders and pastors throughout our United Methodist Connection. And it was a great opportunity to meet people, to see people that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, we had some good food, we had some good conversation, and then we talked about disaffiliations in the church. And boy, that was a difficult conversation to have because uh, it, it kind of makes us face the reality of, of our denomination, where there's some churches that have decided that they don't want to be part of the United Methodist Church anymore. And, they, and there are churches that, because of one reason or another, perhaps financially they've struggled, perhaps another reason, they have closed their doors um, to, to their communities, or uh, just they're just closed. And they gave us some numbers that I thought I would share with you. I was a little, feeling a little depressed, so I thought I would depress you a little bit as well. <laughs> That's one of my mottos. you got to understand this. If at some point in our conversation I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to try to make you uncomfortable with me. It's just better to be uncomfortable together. Amen? So let's, let's take a look at some of these numbers. These are church disaffiliations and closures. Again, they're not giving us reasons or anything, but these, these are church disaffiliations and closures since 2019, okay? And we see that some of the most, um, uh, some of the highest numbers we see in the area of like Georgia, Florida, we see some in, in Texas. So the Georgia conference, or the, the, the jurisdictional conference over there, they got, 3,128 disaffiliations and 503 closures, which accounts for 33, 34% of the congregations in that place. In uh, Texas, 1,557 disaffiliations, 344 closures, which accounts for 36% of the congregations. Now the Western jurisdiction, which is the part, the jurisdiction that we are a part of, which includes Arizona, Oregon, um, California, Montana, other, other states, we had 81 disaffiliations 
and 122 closures, which accounts for 12.59% uh, of the churches. So in that regard, you know, we're not the highest number, but it's still something that we need to be looking at. Again, it doesn't give us a reason for why these are happening, but we understand that there are churches out there who have come to disagree with some of the positions in the church, theologically, biblically. Uh, and so they're going on to find their happiness elsewhere. And we, you know, may God bless them where, where, they, where they go, right? Um, but for us, for those of us who stay, we understand that the reality today is different from what it was five, ten years ago. Um, pastors, as we know, became televangelists like this, right, with, with COVID. And now more than ever, we have to understand that as we face the realities of disaffiliations and closures, um, we have to still be prepared to share the good news of Jesus. Because does the good news of Jesus change with the, real, with the present reality? No. Yes or no? no? No. Do people still need to hear the good news of Jesus in our community today? Yes. You can say yes. yes. Do people still need to know that they are loved and accepted, that there's a place for them at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. So we have to be now in our present social situation, ready to share the good news, ready to do what is required of us as a church. It's not an easy thing to do, friends. It's not an easy challenge. But friends, you and me, we're not called to do easy things. We're called to rely on our Lord. So how do we continue doing ministry, how do we seize the day given our present circumstances in, in the church? Well, I have, I, just from looking at the passages that we were uh, reading just a moment ago, there's three things that I would like for us to keep in mind as we begin this conversation. Number one, we have to stay connected with God, which is very important because everything we do, it's not going to be because of how good and how awesome we are. You guys are pretty awesome though. But God needs to be guiding the conversations and our actions. We need to now more than ever continue to depend on God and hold on to God's hand as we move forward in this present situation. So we want to stay connected with God. Number two, and this is a conversation we had this morning. We read in our, in our passage today, may your speech be gracious as we share the good news, amen? amen? So we need to be able to articulate the message of Jesus Christ for our present situation. That's number two. Number three, we read in the passage uh, today, make the most of the time that you have. So we have to be wise and strategic when it comes to doing the, 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 the work of our Lord. We have to think long-term. Five years in the future, 10 years in the future. What do we do today that will make a difference moving forward? Are you with me? Amen? All right. So how do we stay connected with God? We know that we have to pray. We know that we have to read scriptures. 
We, ne we know that it's, it's in community that we get to learn from different, about God from different people. One of the things that we were talking about this morning is how we, um, each one of us may have or has a, a limited understanding of God. Not one of us knows 100% what there is to know about God. And that is a good thing. Can you say amen? amen. We get to rely on each other. Uh, one of my favorite sayings, I believe this was St. Augustine who said, when you, figured, when, when you figured out God, that's not God. If you think you figured it out, well think again, because God is bigger than our understanding. And so in conversation this morning, we talked about how important it is to engage in conversation with each other. I get to tell you how God is moving in my life. You get to tell me how God is moving in your life. And in this dialogue, uh, our understanding of God is enriched. Amen. So we get to listen to each other as we get to, uh, as we learn about the mystery of Christ. This is such an important thing for us to do. Um, now, our attitude makes a really big difference in this regard. Uh, let me tell you about something that we used to do when I was a, a younger person in the Methodist Church uh, in Mexico. We had this thing that was called Evangelism Explosion. Have you heard about this? Which was kind of, I, I don't know what to call it, maybe a strategy of sharing the good news of, of Jesus to other people, and it was very formulaic. What that means is that they give you, this is what you have to do first, this is have to, what you have to do second, and third, and fourth, and by the end of it, you've shared the good news with somebody. All right, and the first thing was to ask someone, approach them and ask them, if you die today, do you know where you would go? Would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? So that gets the person thinking. Now. I remember being in, a, in an evangelistic campaign in a place, it was in Ensenada, this is not the place where I live, I've never been in this place, I don't know anybody, and here I am approaching strangers and asking them, do you know if you're going to go to hell or heaven if you die today, you know, so I don't know, it was kind of rough for us to do this, but then once the person says, well I don't know, gee, uh, I haven't thought about that, I don't want to go to hell, then you begin, okay, so here's step number one. Da, 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 da. Here's step number two. Da, da, da. Here's step number three. And by the end of it, guess what? You have salvation, right? And you know, as I grow up and, and, and in my in my ministry journey, I wonder about tactics like that. They can be. How do I put this? They they focus a lot on fear for people, and we don't want to do that. It sounds like a threat, first of all. You know, you're approaching somebody, how do you not go to hell, right? No, that's not the conversation we want to have with people. And the conversations that we have, when we get to learn from others and we get to show them the, 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 the message of Christ, the good news of Christ through our ministry, that's, there's not a formula for us to do that. So I want to tell you something different from that, I guess, technique that we used when I was a kid. I want to tell you to take your time. Because when you're, when you're in that process, and Michelle used these words, you have to use some um, 
what's the what's what's the, the phrase that you use? Let me see. I wrote it down. Evangelistic judo, you said. <laughs> so if this person responds this, then you say this. And you try to turn the with their response into something that you can use to share that message. Well, friends, that's just not how conversations work in our day-to-day -day interactions. At least I hope they don't. Too often I think we listen to respond rather than listen to learn from others. I would hope that us in this congregation, we would take the time to listen, not to respond, but to learn from others. Not to see how we can have a formula to convince them, but to actually engage in conversation with people and meet them where they are. Who knows? We might get to learn a few things in that process. Amen? Because evangelism is a two-way street. Evangelism is a two-way street. I'll, I'll tell you more in just a minute. Um, may your speech be gracious. So our second point invites us to um, be mindful of the words that we're using when we're sharing the good news of, of Jesus. Be mindful of the ways in which you share the message. The message is good. The message is the same message that has saved so many lives for thousands of years. But sometimes the message gets lost in our translation. It gets lost in how we share the news, in our attitudes. Sometimes we can be too busy condemning other people. And we forget to share, share the good news. Now, I, I learned something in our Wednesday um, book study that has, has stuck with me, and that's the word retraditioning, which is taking a tradition and making it make sense for our context. Taking the timeless story of Christ and presenting it in a way that resonates with people today. Each one of us, we need to figure out what that means, because we need to be able to evolve and, and, and um, um, be imaginative, all the while staying true to the core message that we've embraced from Jesus. And the, and the message that the world needs today. We gotta be mindful, friends, that our words are not a barrier, but a bridge. So we gotta understand, friends, that um, it's not that we are taking Jesus to people. It's recognizing that Jesus is already there, working in the lives of people. We just have to be in harmony with the work of the Spirit. God is at work in our community Today. Jesus is alive and present here in Yuma, Arizona. God is doing something. Can we be attentive and can we join God in that work of renovation and hope? 
but we have to listen for this. I might have shared this before, but um, one of my favorite stories is, is this faith community that they did an evangelism campaign, but instead of going out to the church to evangelize others, they went out into the community to be evangelized by others, to listen to them. How is God moving in your life? Let me see how I can learn from that, because that way my spiritual journey is enriched. And when we hear these stories, friends, we begin to understand how other people have experienced God's presence. We begin to ask questions. We begin to listen, not to respond, but to actually engage in dialogue, to learn and grow. And it is in that conversation that evangelism and witness can happen. That's when we get to share what we have received. We're not going to share something we don't know about. We're going to share something that we have received. What has God done? What has God done in your life that you're thankful for? What were, what were the moments in your life when you realized, ah, oh, God is moving in such a beautiful way in my life, and you just can't keep quiet about it, and you get to share with with other people? What does that look like for you? I can't share your story. Amen. I don't know what God is doing in your life. You know what God is doing in your life, so take that and share it in your own words to other people. And finally, we have to make most of our time. Friends, we don't begin with fear, but with hope. As we look forward uh, in our ministry journey, we realize that God has been with us so far. Can you say amen? God has brought us to this place today to be the church that God is calling us to be. And we've acknowledged that our community still needs to hear the good news of Jesus. We've acknowledged that people still need to know that Jesus loves them and cares for them and wants to bring them in. So how can we Share that message today, effectively, in a way that makes a difference. If people were to ask you, what do you say? What do you tell them about? If they ask you, you know what, so tell me about uh, Jesus, you know what? What difference does that make? What difference has Jesus made in your life? What would you say? What stories would you share? Friends, we, we have to, we have to be prepared when the time comes to share the message that we have received. I had an opportunity recently to meet with a coach. This is like my third coach that, I, that I've met with. And, and it's nice to learn something from different people. But he said, you know, when I was starting in my church, I knew we had to focus on two things discipleship and evangelism. How do we grow disciples in our church? And how we, and, and outreach, how do we reach out to the community? And that, my friends, helped me understand that it's, it just makes such a big difference when a church knows its priorities. Do we know our priorities as a church? Do we know what is our, 
I guess in, in, in Star Trek language, you know what our prime directive is? Where are we going? What, are, what, is, what is the message that we've received? Friends, I believe First United Methodist Church here in Yuma has a story to tell. Can you say amen? We have a story to tell. Because we have been blessed through time, through the decades, through people who have done the work, done the work for you and me, so that we can be here worshiping in this space and, 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 and experience God's presence in you. And I gotta tell you, I've learned that there are a lot of people working very hard so that we don't notice. All right, let me explain that because there are people who work really hard so we notice. So we notice the, uh, the work that they do. But there are people who work very hard so that we don't notice. I don't know, things like cleaning the church. I gotta tell you something, if the church was messy, you come into a messy church, you notice. Amen? But there are people working so that you don't notice. They come here and put things in order, clean up. There are people preparing so that when you come here, you feel like this is moving smoothly. And you don't notice, and that is a blessing. Because this takes work. This, that what we're doing here, has been years and decades in the making. But we get to re-tradition. We take the witness of those who came before us, they told their story. How can we articulate our story today? So that five or 10, 20 years from now, the people who are sitting in these pews get to hear that message anew so that their lives may be transformed. And perhaps they will never even know about Pastor Ephraim or, you know, they will not even know my name or something, but that's okay. Because it's not the good news of Ephraim that we're sharing, but the good news of Jesus. May that message continue. May we be effective in sharing it. May we use our time wisely so that people may come to know not how good we are or how awesome, how awesome we are. You are awesome. Amen. But, but people may come to know how good and how awesome the Lord is. Let us do that.